0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It was a small town,
1: uh, a farming community. Uh, there had been a drought for months, and the farmers were beca- beginning to panic. They recognized that without some rain, their crops were doomed, their animals were doomed, and they just weren't sure what they were going to do. And they begin to panic in that small community, trying to figure out a solution, and they could come up with none, and they recognized that they're, in, they're at the end of the rope when finally the pastor of the small community church decided that what he needed to do was call for a, a prayer service and ask God for a miraculous intervention and so that it would rain. And so he began to announce the date. They began to spread the word throughout the entire community. Show up at this community church on this particular day and we're all going to pray for rain. And so the day came and he opened the doors. The pastor opened the doors and lo and behold farmers from all over the region started pouring into that little church until the church church was packed and the pastor saw that as they begin to interact with one another and talk across the aisles and he gets a little nervous i don't even know if i can get this crowd under control enough to pray for rain and so he he's watching them and so he begins to make his way down the center aisle and as he gets to the platform he takes the podium he takes the microphone and everybody's filled with anticipation and the pastor abruptly dismisses the service and all the farmers and all the members of the community begin to, to protest loudly. They begin to shout, Why are you doing this, preacher? We're here to pray for rain. You promised that this was the day we were going to pray for rain. Why are you doing this now? And he said this he said, Because we said we were going to pray for rain, but nobody brought an umbrella. I want the implications of that story to sink in a moment as I remind you and bring to your attention Psalm chapter 77, verse 14, which states this. You are the God who does. Uh, NIV says performs. You are the God who does or performs miracles. You have shown people your power. Our our text only emphasizes what we discover as we read from Old Testament to New Testament. We are confronted with the reality of miracles. In the, in the, it seems like every page is filled with these miracles that are taking place. In fact, in, in, in the Old Testament, there is instance after instance where God reveals his strength and his power and his authority to people in dire straits that had needs in their life. And so every page seems to be full Pregnant with miracles over and over ago, again in the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, God begins to verify and validate His own Son's ministry by allowing Him to perform signs and wonders. There are miracles everywhere. And now you fast forward to our day. And so uh, it seems that every song is, that we sing is a constant assertion. Or even if it's not an assertion, it is a request for a miracle. So in, 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 in a nutshell, the Bible, the book that we live our life by and the songs by which we express our needs and our worship are all wrapped up into this idea where, where there's this clear understanding that we believe in and we desperately need Miracles. It seems to be clear, and yet it seems to me that uh, that, that we have an issue. Although our Bible states that miracles are common and everyday practices, and although we sing about miracles, it seems to me that miracles get messy when it comes to our circumstance and our situation. In fact, I want to submit to you that most of the time when we get together on Sundays like this, which has been a while, but when we get together, as we've gotten together in the past and we're back together now and as we continue together in the future, it seems to me that our tendency is, is that what we, we have a propensity to do is this. We inform Jesus about our need, but we don't involve Jesus in our need. And so my, my cry this morning is this. God, I don't want to just sing about miracles. I don't just want to talk about miracles. I want to involve you in my need. I want to involve you in my life. I want to see you involved in the situation that I personally have. Anybody else want to involve Jesus in your life? I don't just want to inform him. I want to involve him. Amen. So I want us to learn this morning. How do we involve Jesus in our life? How, how do we involve Jesus to the degree that we begin to see miracles? take place three things real quick i want to teach you about miracles number one is this you need to believe in miracles before you need one uh see I, see waiting to believe for a miracle believe in miracles until you need one is like trying to uh deciding to build a, a roof on a house after it started raining it's useless, right? It's almost, it's almost, it didn't make any sense to, to wait until you need a miracle to suddenly, I now believe in miracles. You're late. You're too late. There are some of you that may say, I can do life all by myself. Well, good luck. Because what I've discovered, and those of us that have lived long enough, what we've discovered is, is we need God to intervene in our life. We need God to interrupt our life. We need God's hand active and present in our daily life. So we need to believe in miracles before we need one. You better believe before, before you need one. You better learn before you lose. You, you better figure it out that you believe in miracles. Too many of us I want to be skeptical and cynical about miracles until we are in a state of desperation and need a miracle. Can I remind you in the New Testament that the group of people that were skeptical about miracles were not the unbelievers. It was the believers, the, the religious leaders of the day. In fact, the Sadducees uh, had become well known for their skepticism about miracles. It was the religious leaders that didn't believe in the miracles that could take place. And I am concerned today that skepticism has crept in and we have become almost like modern day Sadducees. We become skeptical and suspicious until we need a miracle. And then all of a sudden we want to go, well, we would believe. Well, we better figure it out before we need one. We better figure out that we believe in miracles before we need one. And another way for me to say that is this, is you better become convinced. You better be convinced because if you would become convinced that God is the God of miracles like the psalmist declared that he was and like he proved over and over throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. If we would become convinced that God is a God of miracles, we would walk differently than we walk right now. We, 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 you will not question God's provision of power if you're convinced. You won't doubt if you're convinced. You won't back down against any giant if you're convinced. You will approach the situation differently if you are convinced that God is the God of miracles. It's time to believe the proof that he's already provided in our own lives. I started thinking about my family. In my family alone, I can name many, but let me just mention too quickly that I know that God has proven that he still cares. And not only that he still cares, but he still can. Anybody believe God still can? It's not enough just to believe that he still cares. We also got to know he still can. So in my own life, I need to look back and remember the proof that he's already given me. Like for instance, there's a 22 year old proof setting right back there at one year old julie and i watched our oldest son being laid down on the floor in a fellowship hall at a church with his eyes rolled back in his head running over a hundred and he was running in 104 degree temperature after they gave him medicine So we don't know how hot he was when they laid him on the floor in the church. All we know is his eyes rolled back in his head and it felt like he quit breathing. And I I kneeled over my, my only son at that time. And I said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it was like he came to. And all I know is it's every day in my house, there's 22 or two-year-old proof. It gets better with age. 22-year-old proof that God still can. All I need to do is rewind five years laying in a hospital bed, wondering whether I was dying. Probably was dying. The cardiologist looked at me and said, if you'd have waited any longer, it would have been catastrophic. On the backside of somewhere in Missouri, 45 miles away from a hospital, with nowhere to turn, my head between my knees telling Julie, I can't. can't breathe my chest hurts my arm is tingling all I can tell you is that God has proven over and over and over and over again and I wonder if there are some of you that have need to go back and get the proof back out maybe you need to go back and, and remember maybe you've forgotten maybe you've overlooked maybe you've recategorized it but I'm just asking you this morning to think back about what God has already done for you and come to the conclusion that God is the God of miracles. He is who he said he is. Pick up the proof. Pick it back up before you need a miracle. I want to involve Jesus in the needs of my life. So I need to believe for a miracle before I need one. But there's another step too. We need to quit mislabeling miracles. I think we often conclude that the Bible days must have been much different than our days. Because there seem to be miracles every day. I think maybe what's happened is, and I want to submit to you, is that perhaps the issue is that we become so skeptical and so rationally minded and so suspicious and so dismissive that we are daily observing miracles that we simply mislabel. And because we mislabel them, we also mishandle them. Okay, I'm, okay, okay. so just listen, just because it doesn't look like the Red Sea Party. Just because it's not as amazing as multiplying loaves and fish. J- just because it's not as jaw-dropping and show-stopping as turning water into wine. Just because uh, it's not as as uh, flabbergasting as, as a dead man coming out of a grave. Doesn't mean that what you just witnessed is not a miracle. I think we mislabel it. Just because it doesn't stop everything, and everybody stand up and go, Oh, miracle, miracle! Dry ground. There was water. Now there's dry ground." I think we mislabel. Are you still married? That's a miracle. Are you still sane? That's a miracle. Uh, are you still healthy? That's a miracle. Are you still afloat? That's a miracle. Are you still alive? That's a miracle. Are you still smiling? That's a miracle. Still raising your hands in worship? That's a miracle. We just mislabel it. We dismiss it. See, it isn't luck. And it wasn't some coincidence. And too many of us are mislabeling miracles, so we miss the miracle that's taking place. Perfect example. Here we go. Right in our day, right now, we mislabel. Here it is. I'm not infected. Now, watch what we do. We mislabel. Because I've stayed at home. We mislabel. You're not infected because you stayed at home. Really, you're going to mislabel the miracle that way? Because I, I just got some questions for you. How do you know who's touched your mail? How do you know who's touched the groceries that you went to the store to buy? How do you know who's, who's handling your credit card when you hand it to them to pay the bill at the drive-thru window? How do you know who's, who's touched what? How do you know you haven't come into contact with people that are asymptomatic or maybe they've got symptoms and didn't tell you? How do you know? But we want to mislabel it. That is a miracle. If we would learn to perceive correctly, then this would cause us to label correctly. Listen, the planets didn't line up. You, you didn't. You, your ship didn't come in. You just didn't get dealt a great hand all of a sudden. Can I tell you what's been taking place in your life? God showed up. God intervened. The divine interrupted the natural. And he ordered your steps. And the steps of other people around you. He shifted and he thwarted the plans of the enemy. He turned some things around. And he turned some things aside. Miracles happen every day. And we simply don't perceive them to be such. And so we mislabel them. Can I tell you the natural progression that takes place after that? Is if you mislabel a miracle, you will also misappropriate praise. I want that to sink in because I think we're guilty of that. If we mislabel a miracle, then we will also misappropriate praise. We want to praise social distancing. We want to praise our employer. We want to we want to praise our physician. We want to praise our counselor. Listen, if we will get the label right, then we would get the praise right. All glory and all honor and all thanks and all credit and all my, my understanding of who made this happen goes to God and God alone. Some of us probably need to go back and have a conversation with our boss and our best friend and our daughter doctor and we need to set up an appointment hey doctor can I come and see you I know it's difficult right now but at least would you just zoom with me so I can tell you something I just I need to apologize to you I gave you too much credit some of you need to call your best friend that you thought bailed you out when it was really God telling them to bail you out and making it possible for them to bail you out and you need to call your friend up on the phone and say hey I love you and I appreciate what you did for me but I need to apologize to you I gave you too much credit I need to reappropriate some praise. I need to reallocate some praise. I need to go back and I need to give God the portion that is due to God. And it's not that I under underestimate your part in it but I just recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. And if I got blessed by you, it's because it came from there through you. And I need to reappropriate and reallocate some praise. Is there anybody in the house that would join me for just 10 seconds and give God the glory and the honor and the praise and the credit that belongs only exclusively isolated to him it was because of you god the doctors participated but it was because of you god and we give you praise we give you praise we give you praise we give you praise i reallocate praise i strip praise away from people that don't deserve it and i give it to you it's your credit your honor it's you god it's you and you alone that deserve the glory today and we are, we repent of mislabeling miracles and misappropriating praise today if you're watching online i want you to just take a moment i just want you, to, you you can do this right here in the building too but online i want you to do this as well why don't you take your pen on your bulletin and and write down a couple things that maybe you you thought you, you, you mislabeled him you thought it was coincidence you thought it just happened it, you were just in the right place at the right time and maybe you said it, it's not a miracle now that we've been to ta- begin to discuss it you're going you know what that might i need to go figure this out that might have been a miracle think about it just a moment those online you can put it in the comments i mislabeled this as a, as something else but now i recognize it's a miracle come on think about it think about it what has god done in your life that's a miracle that you've mislabeled. Because if you mislabel it, you'll mishandle it. So remember, remember. And then finally, I want to say this to you this morning. If we're going to involve Jesus in our, in, our, in our daily life, and if we're going to ask him for miracles, and if we're going to come to the conclusion that he can do miracles, and we're going to be careful not to mislabel our miracles, then can I tell you this morning that we need to understand We need to comprehend this fact right here. Miracles are manifested in the messy areas of life. I want you to stop for just a second. I want you to think back over the landscape of the miracles that took place in in the Word. Think about it. There's a a nation that was uh, set free and running from a madman in Exodus. You see those same people in the wilderness dying of thirst and starving. You think about uh, a small boy out on a battlefield that's outsized and overmatched. You fast forward into the New Testament, and it's in the middle of a funeral procession. It's 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 in the uh, the, the 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 backdrop is somebody that's been sick for 12 years, somebody that's been sick for 18 years, somebody that's been sick or uh, disabled since they were born. You think about uh, the fact that it was. Um, It was when a hungry crowd traveled way out into the desert to listen to a preacher. And they get out there and they discover they don't have enough to eat. They're hungry. It's when the host of the party recognizes that they've run out for the wedding. Now they're embarrassed. They've run out of wine. What are we going to do? What happened after all of those scenarios? Miracles. Everyone. Can I tell you this morning that perfection is not the platform for miracles? uh, Problems are. I'm going to say that again. Perfection is not the platform for miracles. Problems are. See, you don't need a miracle unless you're in a crisis. You don't need a miracle unless you're in trouble. Let me say it West Oklahoma style. You don't need a miracle unless you're in a pickle. Ever been in a pickle? Yeah, that's when you need a miracle. Miracles are 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 they become possible in the impossible arenas of our life. That's when miracles show up. So if things are messy in your life, then can I just encourage you this morning, take courage. You're the perfect candidate. You qualify. You have the qualifications necessary for the God who the psalmist says is the God who performs miracles. You are first in line because you have a problem that he needs to help you take care of. See, a lot of us want a miracle. Listen, but we don't want to be in or go through anything that would require a miracle. Y'all missed it. I know this is true in my own life. I believe God does miracles. I just don't want him to have to do one. Well, what? So so then the next thing that happens is this, is if that's how we approach miracles, I recognize that, that miracles come when I'm having trouble, when I'm at, in crisis, when I'm in a pickle, Then, then this is what happens. I will fight my way out of the very situations that God is allowing to take place in my life rather than staying there long enough to let Him show up. Okay. And then, here, here it is. If we can't get out, we will allow the circumstances that we're facing to make us so bitter or angry. That we are now no longer positioned to receive a miracle. I just got right up in all of our mess right there. Some of us fight our way out, but if we can't get out, we become so angry at God, so angry at that person, so angry at what happened to us, so angry at what we endured, so bitter about what took place, and it's not fair, and it shouldn't have happened to me. I tithe every month. I go to church every week. I serve every week. I'm angry now, and our own attitude takes us out of the appropriate position to even now receive a miracle. See, one of the, re- rec- the prerequisites for a miracle is this, and we don't like this word, failure. There's no need for a miracle if there's no problem. There is no need for a miracle if you have a problem that you can fix. Okay, let me stop. I didn't even intend to go here, but i see how you're looking at me, so I'm going to have to stop right here. So, so, so some of us are praying for miracles. We don't need a miracle we just need discipline. I need, you to, I need you to give me a miracle in my finances. No, if we would just become disciplined, we make more than enough. We just spend more than we make. If, if, if I could get a miracle in my relationship, no, you just need to quit being a jerk. And I, I need you to heal me because I prayed that one. Yeah, what you really need to do is quit going to Krispy Kreme four times a day and quit going to Bojangles every other week. So you don't need a miracle if you have a problem that you can fix. Some of us don't receive a miracle simply because we don't think we need one. But some of us think we need miracles that we don't actually need. Okay. We are convinced that God can do something that he's already given us the strength and the authority and the power to do all by ourselves. It's not that he doesn't do miracles. It's just we don't qualify. Okay, all right, so so, so um, listen, the reality is this. Some of us have some situations that we cannot fix on our own. I'm looking across the, the congregation right now. There are people that I know in this congregation that have some situations and some circumstances that you cannot Do this on your own. And what I want you to know is that you've got to get to this place in our own messy areas where we come to grips with the fact that I can't get in the water by myself. And we got to come to this place where I don't know where I'm going to go to replenish the wine for the wedding celebration. I can't suffer at the hands of another doctor, but if I can touch him, whatever he says to do it, we come to the end of ourselves. And when we get to the end of ourselves, then we are positioned for a miracle. And so if you're in one of those situations this morning, then I need you to understand that you're in the right place at the right time. See, some miracles are messy. Some marriages aren't beautiful until you live, live through the ugly. Some businesses fall apart before they succeed. Some, some dreams die before they thrive. But, but if you give up in the mess, if you give up, listen to me, if you give up in the mess, you will miss the miracle. How can you turn, allow God to turn things around if you keep running out of the mess that you're asking Him to turn around? See, hear me this morning. Some of you are so tired of the mess, but I just want to challenge you this morning and encourage you. Hold on. Some of you are weary because you've been waiting. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. Miracles are being prepared where? In our mess. And some of us are angry about the very thing that is preparing us for provision. Some of us are bitter about what is actually the doorway to our blessing. We just got to hang on. Some of y'all just need to hang on. Hang on. I just came to encourage you this morning. God is the God who performs miracles. Just stinking hang on. Don't give up. Stay right in the fight. Stay in the mess. And he'll show up. Don't get mad at the mess. Don't worry about the wait. You're one second. You're one minute closer. You're one week closer. You're one month closer. You're one year closer. For some of you, you're one decade closer. If you would just hang on, God can do the miracle. So I just want to challenge you this morning. I want us to do more than just ask for miracles. I want to show up expecting miracles. We, we, we read it. The psalmist says, and we, we amen it. You are the God. Who does miracles. Well, if that's true, if that's true, if that's true, if that's true, then where's your umbrella? It's time to get our umbrella. We come to church and we say, you're the God that does miracles. But nobody brought an umbrella. You're the God that that can change everything. We come and we sing about it. We pray about it. We inform him about it. But did we come actually expecting him to do anything about it? What issue in your life do you have going on right now that you cannot fix on your own? That is the qualification right there for God to step in and do a miracle. I want you to stand with me.
0: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, Visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.
2: Hey Amen. How you guys doing? Hey, I am honored to be here. How many of you guys came this morning expecting miracles? So about five of us. How many of you guys came this morning expecting miracles? Amen. Amen. Can we just praise him in advance for the miracles? Let's this just is, this is praise him like he's already done it. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we thank you for miracles. And even you at home, just begin to just praise him and thank him for miracles that you have already done, like you have already done it in Jesus' name. We love you. I am so glad to be here, I'm excited, I'm not going to be here uh, really long, uh, I, at least I hope not, uh, well, who knows, who knows, but my notes aren't that long, and I'm the student pastor here, so I'm normally speaking about 10 to 15 minutes on a Wednesday night, and so you guys know that, and so just know that going forward it's not going to be really long. I have a story I want to share, um, and, it's, and you guys may have heard this story before, it's a pretty popular one, I've heard it multiple times in my life. And it's about a man who was stuck on his roof in a flood. Now this probably isn't a true story. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's fiction, but I think there's some pretty good principles in it. He was praying to God for help. And so soon a man in a rowboat came by, he was on his roof and the water was rising. A man in a rowboat came by. It's like, Hey, come get my boat. I can, I can help you. And then the man said, no, it's okay. I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. And he sent the rowboat on his way. And so then not long after, a motorboat came. And the fellow in the motorboat said, jump in. I can save you. And so he said, no, it's okay. I'm praying to God. And he's going to save me. I have faith. And so the motorboat went on. And then a helicopter came by. And the pilot shouted down, grab the rope. And I'll help you up, pull you to safety. And so again, the stranded man said, no, thanks. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop and the man drowned. He went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss this whole situation with God. At which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. To this, God replied, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more did you expect? So we've been talking about miracles, and I think a lot of times we can find ourselves in the same boat, or not in the same boat, as this man on the rooftop. And so last week we talked about miracles, um, and Pastor Steve explained that miracles appear in the messy areas of our lives. Miracles appear appear whenever we need a problem. We don't need a miracle until we are in a problem that we can't fix. We learn too often that that we we label miracles as coincidence or as luck. Instead of giving them the proper credit and the proper due, it's God doing a work and God providing a miracle. So this week we're going to look... And we're going to see that, yes, God deserves all the credit for the miracle, but he also allows you and I opportunities to be members of our miracles. I think there may be someone listening who can put yourself in the shoes of the fellow on the roof in his home and and we are praying and believing for God for a miracle. But when the miracle shows up, we send it on by. Just like last week we talked about mislabeling miracles, sometimes we just miss the miracles. We just miss them. The guy on the roof was looking for a miracle and he was even expecting a miracle. He even told the people there, I'm expecting a miracle. But he still missed it. Sometimes we have this idea that a miracle from God is something that we are just going to watch. Like it's always going to be something like fireworks. You show up and like, okay, I'm ready. Where is it at? But God is asking you to pick up the match. He's asking you to 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 put a put a little force, to start a little friction, to create a little bit of heat. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? And then spark a miracle. But instead, we're te- we're we're expecting God to take care of everything, while God, on the other hand, is allowing us to take part. And be members of our miracle. I believe that the role we play will help us get our hearts in the right place. You see, oftentimes in the Bible, the miracle happened uh, before the miracle happened to the receiver of the miracle. They had to do something. They had to do something, and a lot of times it didn't make sense. But I guarantee you that after walking around the temple, uh, walking around Jericho for seven days straight at the end of that seven days, I bet their heart was in the right place. Right? And, 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 and you, a king doesn't just dig ditches expecting them to fill with water without it even raining, without his heart being in the, same, in the right place. Yes. A man doesn't go to a dirty, muddy river and bathe himself in it seven times expecting God to heal him without his heart being in the right place. The things that God is asking us to do it's something that He wants, he, he, it, it's, it's helping us get our hearts in the right place. You see, I think most of us, what we would have done was we would have walked around one time, walked around Jericho one time. You know, I'm only just, uh, all right, well, nothing, nothing's happening. Why am I doing this? God wouldn't want me to do that. That's silly. So I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Or maybe maybe we would have said, you know, I, God, I want I want you want me to dig ditches. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dig ditches. This is hard. All right, I got one. Right, I got one done. God God wouldn't want me to do anything hard anyway, because God wants my life to be good. He doesn't want me to go through trouble. He doesn't want me to to, to experience pain. What if we would have walked up to the Jordan River and said, nope, that water's dirty. And Walmart is out of paper towels and hand sanitizer. <laughs> so I'm not getting in. See, God is asking us to be members of our miracles, not so he can do something, not just so he can do something for us, but he wants to do something in us. He wants to do something on the inside of us first. See, there's a lot of miracles in the Bible to choose from, but today we're going to look at the life of Elijah. God had instructed Elijah to go to this town um, called in, a town in Sidon, and he want, he was instructed to find a widow who God had commanded to find him to give him food. And so he w- he goes to this town and he finds her and he asks him he asks this widow to give him water and give him some bread. And then we're going to pick up on her reply in in 1 Kings chapter seventeen. Before we get into this, let me pray over this scripture and just pray that God will open up our, 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 hearts to hear and receive God. I just thank you that it's not my words that we hear this morning, but it's your word and your truth. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. So first Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 12, it says as surely as the Lord, your God lives. He, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do what you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. A jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as, as Elijah had told her. So there, was, so there was food every day for Elijah and, and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And that takes me to my first point. Faith is found in the first fruit. Faith is found in the first fruit. You see, she, she wasn't all the way sold at the beginning. When, when Elijah said, Hey, can you go and get me some water? And, and while you're at it, can you bring me some bread? And then she came back and told him, You know what? I, only, I barely have enough bread for me and my son. What we were going to do, we were going to go home and we were going to eat and we were going to have our last meal and then we were going to die. So she wasn't all the way sold at the beginning. And so I, I think a lot of us can, can put ourselves there to where we may not always be as willing at first, just like this woman. But she went back and she did, she did what, what Elijah requested. She made him food first before that miracle took place. Now, I'm telling you, there's times where I wake up in the morning and, I, and I'm having waffles and there's like maybe four waffles in the freezer. How many of you guys have ever been there? And my son, he's like, "I want a waffle." He doesn't say, "I want a waffle." He just says, "Waffle." And I'm like, "We got oatmeal in there for you." <laughs> you like, can I just give you a banana and some oatmeal? He's like, "Waffle, waffle." I'm like, "Hmm." I can, and I have waffles. And if, even if I didn't have waffles, I could go to the store and get waffles. But sometimes it's hard for me to say, "You know what? I'm gonna make him a couple waffles," and I'm gonna just. And just eat two. Or maybe I'm just going to eat one and a half. But sometimes that's hard. So I can imagine what this woman felt. This man that she just met. And it's her last meal. And and she said. God is asking me to give you some food first. Before me and my son eat. That doesn't make sense. See. If we don't comply. With giving God the first fruit. Then I ask, where is your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Because if you give God the first fruit, that's a, that's a heart thing to say, you know what, your heart is in the right place. You see, we can probably stop and spend a lot of time talking about that. But I'm not going to. You see, it's hard for, it's hard like, I, like it's hard for me to share a waffle with my son. Sometimes it's hard for us to give tithe. Sometimes it's hard For us to give time, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of time this week. I got a phone call. Someone has a need. They want me to come talk to them about their marriage. They want me to, they they want me to, to go buy them groceries. I don't, I, I just don't know if I have enough. I don't know. I don't know. But, but, but maybe you're on the other side and you're in lack. It's like God, this person's asking me for some of what I don't have, and you make excuses or. Don't give your tithe or don't give what God is asking. And 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 this isn't only about offering. It's about your heart. So if you're in the store and God has asked you to give someone groceries in this time where where everyone is struggling. A lot of people don't know what's going to happen next month. What's going to happen two months from now. If they're going to have a job. If they're going to have a paycheck. And you're in the store and you see this family picking and choosing what they want to buy. And maybe God gives you the unction. Like, hey, I want you to buy their groceries. Sometimes that's happened. Has that ever happened to any of you guys? You guys ever been there? What's the first thought that usually comes to your mind? It's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could, but they're all the way over there. I'm probably not even going to get to them by time. And, and I don't even know how much stuff they need. You don't know, even begin to make these excuses and even be like, you know, I got to make sure I get my stuff first. But then my question to you is like, when did you become your source? That goes back to what Pastor Steve was talking about last week. We don't need a miracle if it's a problem that we can take care of. I think we're trying to take care of a lot of the problems that we should just give to God because he's our source. How many times have we missed a miracle because we didn't step out in faith? Maybe you can say, you know what, I've been stepping out in faith. I've been doing, I've been giving the first fruit. I've been doing all of these things. God asked me to do it. I'm going to do it. I've been doing it. Well, I'm here to tell you, do not grow tired in well-doing. Because I bet you, the Israelites walking around on day five, they probably got tired. It's like, we've been doing this day after day, and I don't even see a change. It actually seems like things are getting a little bit worse. There's more people up there watching us, There's more people that are probably insulting us. There's more people that are, that are probably maybe throwing things at us. There's more people that are against us. I don't know if this is even making a difference. Maybe I should stop. This is getting harder. What if it was on day seven and they walked around five times? They're like, man, nothing is changing. What if you're naming and he's bathing in the Jordan River and he's on his fifth dip? He's like, you know what? I would think that there would probably be a little bit bit more happening right now. Maybe I should stop. This isn't working. What if they would have stopped? What if they wouldn't have done? What if they wouldn't have completed the work that God has called them to? What if that's where you are? What if you're on day five? What if you're on lap number six and you're about ready to come around? But what if you stop just before? Do not grow tired and well-doing because God wants to do something in you. He's working on something in you. And then, and then when you see your miracle, when you see it, it's, it's all going to make sense because your faith will be stronger. And I'm going to tell you why that's important here in a little bit. But I want to go on to my second point. Oftentimes, your miracles have multiple members. Your miracles have multiple members. Let's go back to the guy on the roof. He was convinced that the people God sent weren't there to help him. I'm going to say that one more time. He was convinced that the people God sent to him weren't there to help him. How many times have we found ourselves in that same situation? We may never admit it, but we all know someone who has denied someone access, who has denied someone help when they're there, when, when, when it could be someone that God had sent for them to help them in their current situation. They most likely aren't coming by boat or helicopter, but they're coming with an unpopular opinion. They may be coming accompanied with a budget. They may be be, be be coming with the phone number of a counselor. They may, be, they may be coming and say, hey, I would like to be your accountability partner. You're like, nah, I don't need that. I don't need you in my business. I don't need a budget. God's gonna save me. God's gonna fix my finances. I don't need a budget. God's gonna fix my marriage. I don't need a counselor. But what if those are the people that God has sent? Students, my parents don't know anything. I got that. They're so old. I don't need to listen to them. No, God sent them. God placed you in that home and your parents instruction could be what is on the what is on the front side of your miracle. What is on the front side of where God is taking you? And before you know it, you've sent all the people away and you missed your miracle. See, God is sending you, and Elijah, are you going to let him in? See, there's strength in numbers. See, we talked about, number one, faith is the first fruit. And then how our miracles have multiple members. Because what if, that, what if, that, what if the widow wouldn't have let Elijah in? What if the widow wouldn't have let Elijah come into their home? Then she would have just went home and made her bread and ate it with her and her son, and it would have been over. But she realized that, you know what, I'm going to do what this man is asking me. I'm going to let him in, and I'm going to give him food first because maybe he is here to help me. You see, remember when I said that God wants to do, he doesn't just want to do something for you, he wants to do something in you. God wants our faith to be stronger after a miracle because number three, miracles produce more miracles. What do you mean by that? You see, if you continue reading this text, you'll see that the widow's son grows sick, and eventually he stops breathing. Okay, so and she gets upset. She goes to, to Elijah and say, "Hey, what? If, why are you here? What are you? You're causing all this trouble for me. It seems like things are getting worse. My son is now sick." And so Elijah takes his son, takes him up upstairs, and then he lays on him three times and prays over him, and then life comes back into this boy. Miracle. But well, what if she wouldn't have let him in to begin with? What if she wouldn't have acted with her first fruit to begin with? And Elijah ended up going to the next house. What if she didn't do that? What would have happened? This widow would have missed her miracle. Because she wasn't in a position to receive what was next. See, there are more miracles in you. You may be thinking... That... You may be thinking that there's more that God wants to do in me. Yes, there is more that God wants to do in you. There's more miracles that God wants to, to do in your life. And he wants you to be in the position to get those miracles. But also... There's more miracles that God wants to do through you. We can't stop with ourselves. You see, just like Elijah went into the house of this widow and performed these miracles. Well, God performed these miracles through Elijah. God is wanting to build up faith in you. He wants your faith to be stronger so that you can in turn become like Elijah and be sent into someone else's home. And be sent into your neighbor's home. Be sent into your your friend's home. Just to to be sent and go out and allow other people to experience the same faith-building power. He wants to do a miracle through you. We can't stop with ourselves. We experience miracles and our faith is built. But God wants us to go out and share that faith. I want you to imagine something with me, especially in this time of craziness. We had a church full of Elijahs experiencing miracles in their own life and then also going into other people's lives and going into into where they are and helping them experience experience miracles. Taking the faith that you have And allowing other people to experience that that same faith building power. Can you imagine if we all went out and then the people we went had that same faith built up on the inside of them and they went out? How long would it take before Bethany would be experiencing revival? How long would it take before Oklahoma City would be experiencing revival? But it's got to start somewhere. It's got to start with someone letting someone in. It's got to start with someone taking the step and doing something that may not make sense and allowing God to perform a miracle. God, right now I pray that you would open up our eyes you would open up our eyes to see the Elijah's that you have placed in our lives. And if there's someone that we have shut out or maybe maybe something that you have asked us to do and we haven't done it, God, I just pray that right now you are revealing those things to us. Because we do not want to miss our miracles. God, we are expecting and God, we are praying for miracles. But God, we know that you want us to also become a member and not just watch and sit back and wait. But you want us to be an active member. So God, I just pray that we are able to see the Elijah's in our life. And God, I also pray that those of us who you have called to go into someone's home, to go, to, to, to call their friend, to to, to send a text message, to send a, a message on Facebook, to, to, to do whatever it is, to, to, to intercede and, or go buy groceries or, or whatever that you have called us to go and be Elijah's to someone. I pray that you would give us the faith and give us the discernment to know where to go and what to do. Allow us to hear your voice. Father, I thank you right now in advance for the miracles. That are going to take place not only in this body, but in our community. In Jesus' name, I want us to stand, and just for the next three minutes or so, I just want us to just focus on God and allow Him to speak to us. Because we sing that last song when we walk into the room, and and I think we need to put ourselves into the position of Elijah. He was walking into this widow's house with the power of God with the power that that raised life from the dead and so I want us to sing this song and I want us to sing almost as with a receptive heart and say God is there someone here that you want me to pray for? Is there someone here that you want me to talk to? Is there someone at home that you're watching? Is there someone that you need to call? Just allow God to speak to you Because I think someone else's miracle could be wrapped up in you, stepping out in faith. Or maybe your miracle was wrapped up in you receiving someone into your life.
0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online www.passionchurch.tv Now let's join the service already in progress.
3: Good morning passion family. How are you today? We doing good this morning? I have to say that I am very glad to be in this room with you and to get to worship with you. If you don't know me yet, that's okay. My name is Madeline, and I'm the kids pastor here. So I spend a lot of time with the cool kids. But for real, we do have not just some cool kids. We have some serious world changers in those rooms back there. So I'm really honored to serve in this capacity And even though our pastors, Pastor Steve and Pastor Julie, are not able to be with us today, I do want to just say thank you to them. I want to honor them for their leadership over this body, over this ministry, but also for their spiritual covering and their support that they have offered to Seth and I. And also, I'm just thankful that they trust me this crazy lady to be up here sharing with you this morning so it really is an honor now i hope that you came expecting To hear from the Lord today I hope that you came to Passion Church not just because it's what you do and it's because it's a part of your routine but you came because you want to see God move in your life or for those of you watching online I hope that you came or tuned in today expecting to encounter God right where you're at in your car or in your home or wherever that may be but whether your expectation or your faith, or belief in God, if it feels small to you, or it feels great. Whatever level of expectation you came with, it's been my prayer today, and my full belief that it's going to increase. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God. And we are going to hear his word. We've already sang his word out loud. Now we're going to read it and hear it together. And I believe that our expectation levels are just going to continue to rise. And then just as Paul prayed in in Ephesians chapter 1, my prayer for us has been that God would open the eyes of our hearts to see the hope that we've been called to. Anybody thankful for his hope? amen and the inheritance the riches of inherit, of his inheritance that is for us who he calls his holy people and last but not least that our eyes would be open to see his great power that is for us everybody say it's for me who believe <laughs> that's the key we have to believe believe help us lord Help us, God, today and right now in Jesus' name. If there are any spiritually deaf or muted ears in this room, I command them to open in the name of Jesus. And open our eyes, Lord. Speak to our spiritual eyes. And I command them to open in the name of Jesus that we would see and we would come to know you for who you truly are. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. Hmm. And if anyone here feels like they can relate to the man in the New Testament who said, Jesus, I believe, but heal my unbelief. Sounds a little bit contradictory, right? But sometimes my heart feels that way. feels a little contradictory. And so it's comforting to know that just as Jesus responded to that man with kindness and with power, he also will respond to us. And so if that's you, you can pray that prayer. You can say, God, I believe, but... Heal my unbelief. That we can have both in our hearts at the same time. And he will be faithful to respond because he loves us. Are you thankful for that today? Amen. So if you're ready, you can go with me to Second Kings chapter 4. And we're going to read together there. Before we read, I just want to reiterate a couple of things that Pastor Andrew shared with us last week. Which was a good word, by the way. He shared with us the story of Elijah and the widow and how God used Elijah in some powerful ways. He used Elijah to multiply what? Do you remember? The oil in the widow's home for the sake of her and her son's survival. And then later, he used Elijah to raise her son from the dead. And then Pastor Andrew asked us to imagine this church, this body, being full of Elijah's. He challenged us to make ourselves available for him to use to bring about miracles in other people's lives. And he pointed out that if we would do that, if we would say, God, use me, that this this city would experience revival. This nation would not be able to remain the same. And I believe that. I stand with Pastor Andrew in that. But I think that since it is Pentecost Sunday, as we've already pointed out, it's appropriate to remember That Elijah was useful to God, not because he was cool. Right? Sometimes we think we're cooler than we are. I guess I'm going to learn whenever this baby gets here that I'm not so cool because she'll remind me. (laughs) Well, the kids in Kids Church remind me anyway, so it's fine. But anyways, he wasn't useful to God just because he had a lot of followers on social media. Or he got a lot of likes with every post that he put out. No, he was useful to God because he carried the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that Elijah carried is the same Holy Spirit that God poured out into his believers on that day of Pentecost. And because it is the day of Pentecost, but God, who was the same God then a couple thousand years ago, is still the same God today. And he wants to pour out his Spirit on his sons and his daughters. And he wants for us to carry the Holy Spirit, not just upon us, where he comes upon believers, but within us, because he wants to comfort us us he wants to counsel us y'all we need the holy spirit we don't need to look a certain way and we don't need to have all these people following us or we don't need to be liked to be useful to the lord we just need the holy spirit and we need a relationship with him and a dependency on him because he's enough he's enough and he's all that we need he's not some force like in star wars Which, I like the movies, but he's much better than that. (laughs) He's much greater than that. He's much more powerful than that. And um, what was cool is that Elisha, so we had Elijah last week. Elisha noticed this. He said, that same spirit of God that Elijah has, I want it. And I want a double portion of it. And so because he was willing to go all the way he followed Elijah until the very end of his lifetime he served Elijah he went into the difficult places when all the other prophets of God stood on the sidelines and just watched from a distance Elisha got up close and personal and said I'm not leaving his side until I receive the Spirit of God that he carries because I want to be used by God in even greater ways than Elijah was and Jesus himself when he was on the earth in John chapter 14 he says you will do these things that I have done and even greater things so if we want to see him do greater things through us which is possible because he doesn't speak things he doesn't mean right then all we have to do is follow him Believe Him. Go all the way with Him. And yes, the cost may be the cross. It may be difficult. It may cost us some things. It may cost us some sacrifice. We may have to step out when everybody else is sitting down. We may have to shout when everybody else is being quiet. Whatever He calls us to do, if we'll go all the way with our Jesus, then He will fill us with His Holy Spirit. And He says, ask for it. And he will give them to us. I'm thankful for that this morning. Are you? Okay, good. Just have to make sure. Now I think we're ready to read. But what we're going to see is that because Elisha carried the spirit of God, a lot of miracles that Elijah did in 1 Kings, Elisha did in 2 Kings. This is one of those repeat miracles. Everybody say repeat. Why? Because God can do what he did then, he can do it again. Now, it may look a little different. Let me warn you. He healed you then. The way he heals you now may look a little bit different. He used you last week. The way he uses you this week might look a little bit different. But that's good. The point is, it's the same God. He still reigns. And he's the one who does the miracles, not us. He just wants us to be willing vessels that he flows through. Amen? Okay. Verse one, second Kings chapter four, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said to her, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Verse 5 She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Last verse, verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Does this sound familiar? Similar, but not the same. So, there's a few things that we need to learn that we need to notice about this passage. I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning because here we have a woman who is truly aching. We have a woman who was in a state of desperation. Why? Because she had lost her husband and she was about to lose her sons, everything that was precious to her, because she had a debt that she could not pay. However, We must recognize that the circumstances and situations of this woman did make her unhappy, but they did not make her unfaithful. They did make her desperate, but they did not make her defeated. Her situations did make her unhappy, but they did not make her hopeless. Why? Because she knew a man. Not just any man. She knew a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Who carried the presence and power of God. And I am not naive. And I do believe that we have some people in this house and in this body. Who have lost a lot. You know what it feels like to ache. You know what it feels like to be desperate. But the good news... Is that we know a guy. We know a man. He's greater than Elisha. And we need to be reminded of that this morning. That he's not just a cool dude. A kind and loving man. He's the king. And he reigns on the throne. And there is no darkness. There's no power. There is no person that is stronger than him. He's also kind and he cares and his arms are wide open. And just as Elisha said, how can I help you? Our king, this man we know named Jesus, is saying the same thing to us today. And there's nothing he can't do. So he's saying, how can I help you? There's no need that he can't meet. There's no void that he can't fill. There's no broken heart that he can't make whole. There's no physical or mental illness that he can't heal. Let me tell you something else. Your situations and your circumstances do not have to define you. I'm going to say that again in case the person that needed to hear it did not hear it. Your situations and circumstances do not have to define you. This widow was known for what she had lost because the title of this passage is The Widow. But it doesn't stop there because she was also known for what she gained because the rest of the title says olive oil. Right? So we do not have to be known just for what we have lost or what we have suffered. But because we know a man named Jesus, we can also be known for what we have gained. We can be known for what He provided. So being in a place of desperation actually is the perfect setup for our God and our King to be exalted and to be seen in the physical realm. For other people who surround us to say, I've heard your testimony and I believe with you that this God you serve is real and He really loves you. And so I must experience this love for myself. This is the perfect place to be, is in a place of desperation. But we must do what she did. And the point number one I have for you today is cry out. She didn't cry out to just anyone. She cried out to someone who could help her. And we have a tendency in our human nature to want to just cry out in general. Because we want empathy. We want people to feel with us. And that is not wrong necessarily. And it is okay to cry about our situations. God understands that. Suffering, there's a season for sorrow. When we suffer, we need to cry, we need to let it out, right? But God doesn't want us to just cry about our situations. He wants us to cry out to to him, the one who can change our situations. He wants us to not just cry out to anybody and everybody. He longs for us to cry out to him, to run to him so that he can do something. He wants to help us. Amen. And maybe you feel like your prayers are pointless or they're bouncing off the ceiling and back to you. I've felt that way before. But if that's you, then hear these words. Inspired by our God found in James chapter 5 verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Help us believe that God. For if you have asked Jesus to forgive you and you've submitted to his lordship over your life and over your home, then you can know that he has made you righteous in his sight. Therefore, your prayers as his righteous people are powerful and effective. They produce wonderful results. They reach the throne room. Isn't that awesome? So, everybody, help, help me out. Help your neighbor out. Preach to them a little bit with the authority that God's given you. Tell them to cry out. Cry out to Jesus. Y'all are being real quiet. I'm not asking you to hug anyone. Just shout at them, okay? <laughs> cry out. Cry out to God. May we not be found lazy. May we not be found faithless. But may we become a people of prayer. Of people who run to God and cry out to Him who can actually give us answers and bring about the restoration and salvation that we need. One more time, say cry out. cry out. All right, thank you for speaking with some authority. Now, if we look back at verse number three, we will see in this story that Elisha told the widow to go and gather jars from her neighbors, so she had to reach out for help. So our point Our second point for today that we need to learn from her is that we need to reach out. Because I believe that God, in all of his mysterious ways, chooses to use other people to bring about the miracles that we need in our lives. But so many of us, for whatever reason, maybe it's our culture that has influenced us to think this way. But we've been conditioned to think that as believers, we are okay to live on our individual islands. And it's not okay to share with others what we're going through. And that's just how we need to be. But God created the church to be a body. Physical body is the imagery, right? My if I don't have feet, I'm going to struggle. Right? I mean, we need each other. That's the point. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reveals to us the body is made up of many parts. And that means we all look different. And we have different gifts. But he created us to unite us so that we could help each other. And I don't need to preach this again because Pastor Andrew stole my second point and preached it already. But I loved it. It was great. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 45, he also pointed out, That they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. We exist for you, James. We exist for you, April. We exist for each other, right? So tell your neighbor, you exist for me. I'm giving you permission to say something that sounds really selfish right now. So take advantage of it, okay? I'm just kidding. We're not being selfish this is what we're called to do is to reach out reach out and ask you know what's cool is that I like to imagine she went to all these all of her neighbors and she had to knock on their doors and that would have taken a lot of humbling for me because it's hard for me to admit that I need help it's hard for me to ask someone cuz I don't want to be a burden on them but we were created to help each other right to give and share with what the Lord has given us everything that you own Catherine is because God gave it to you right so God may want to use some of your stuff to help me I'm not um, but for real God God gives us the things that we have because he wants to use us to help those who don't have do you see that okay I'm getting carried away but the point is is that The woman, after she asked for their jars, later she had to go sell them, right? So that meant she had to go out into the public, and people began to see, that's what my jar was put to use for. Isn't that awesome? So they got to see, wow, God did a miracle, and he used my jar to do it so we shouldn't be afraid to reach out because we're actually giving our brothers and sisters in christ the people that god has positioned to surround us there's not a coincidence that you're part of passion church because god has surrounded you with all of us Because he wants to use us so that we can also participate in his miracle and we can see his glory and we can see him using what he's given to us it's a privilege it's an honor to pray for each other it's a privilege it's an honor to meet your needs it's a privilege it's an honor to share with you what God has given to me so reach out I volunteer as tributes okay It's been a while since we watched The Hunger Games, but I really like that part. It's it's just, like, makes you feel powerful. Anyway, so let's get back to the story. When the widow saw her little jar of olive oil multiply in front of her eyes, it actually happened through her hands. Did you see that? You see, she had a responsibility on her part, and it was to gather the jars and then to pour This took faith that required not only lip service, but also action. Sometimes, for whatever reasons, we want God to do the miracle and all the work. But one thing I've learned about our God is that He likes to partner with us because He wants us to get to see His power at work, up close and personal. And like Pastor Andrew said last week, he's not just interested in doing something for us. He also wants to do something in us. So he asks us to participate. So when you're praying for a miracle, wait on an instruction. Because most of the time there is going to be one where he wants to use you, where you have a responsibility and you have a part to play as well. Therefore, whatever... You have. God is asking of you and me today what Elisha asked of the widow then. And it was pour out. Everybody say pour out. In other words, surrender to God what you have already. Even if it feels small. Even if it feels insignificant. She said. I have nothing except. There's a lot of power in that word. Except a small jar of oil. And Elisha's response. Is the same response that I believe. God wants to speak to us today. And it was. That'll be enough. That'll do. Just get some jars. And take the little bit of oil you have. And go pour out. And watch what God will do. Now We may not necessarily, this may not relate to us in the fact that we need our olive oil in our house to multiply, which I would like that, because I like olive oil and it's expensive. But, in this case, it can represent our praise and our worship. Does it ever feel small or weak to you? If your faith seems small, pour it out. If your dreams feel far-fetched or your life feels a little insignificant, pour it out at his feet anyways, because he is able and he wants to take what you will give him and multiply it for his glory and for your good. Do you hear that this morning, that he is calling us to take what little we have and just pour it out at his feet? And I want to share with you and make sure that we see this as well, that uh, first of all, I heard a pastor say, little is much when God is in it. Therefore, we must not just view it as insignificant, therefore God can't use it. No, 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 that means God can really get glory out of it. So give him Give to Him what you feel like you have little of. Because all throughout Scripture we can see that God is really good at taking what we lack in and turning leftovers out of it. He likes to flex. He likes to show His glory. He likes to show how powerful He is because He wants for people to be drawn to Him so that He can restore that relationship back with us. Therefore, if you feel like you have a little gift but it doesn't seem like it can be super effective, give it to Him anyways and watch Him use you and watch Him multiply it within you. I told God years ago, I want you to use me to bring healing to people's bodies when I pray for them. But God, every time I pray, I don't see it. And He told me to pray anyways. And He told me to keep on praying because they need to see that God loves them. And it wasn't until this past summer, last year around this time, that I began to see the faith that I had that was really small, He multiplied it, began to see the power, the gift that I knew somewhere deep down inside of me began to multiply until physical healings were literally happening in front of my eyes, one after another. And that is not because of me. It's because of the Lord. But what he asks of me is to pour it out anyways. Even when we can't see him moving, will you still believe in him enough to pour out? Out what you have at his feet I want to share a quick story with you And then I'm going to close But I wanted to be honest with you Because you're my church family And just share with you something In case it encourages anyone in this room um, Over the last eight weeks Almost two months ago exactly We had a scare regarding our pregnancy And that took us to the emergency room Which was not a fun time Um. However, we did receive good news that night that our baby was had a strong heartbeat, and she was doing fine. But they told us, they told me, because they wouldn't let Seth in, so that was not very fun. But I understand. And they told me that um, that there was a complication that needed to heal itself. Heal itself? Jeez, you can't do anything. But that's what they said. And if it didn't heal, it could cause complications, like worse complications and even a miscarriage. And so I knew that God can do this. And I believe that He's spoken to us about this child before we even conceived. And so I'm believing, however, (laughs) I have to be honest and say that it was a journey for a few weeks. Even as we're praying, my faith felt really weak. My belief in God's promises felt really small. And um, I got trapped in my emotions. So I, at this point, not only needed a miracle in my physical body, but I needed a miracle in my mind. Anybody else? If that's you this morning, then just understand that the Lord can do it. Because it was in the private place of my home, which is another thing I wanted you to notice, that uh, she did this in her house. That the miraculous power of God multiplied behind closed doors. So God, is, His presence isn't confined to a building or to an event, or to a worship service. He wants to move in miraculous and powerful ways. I'm speaking this over us prophetically. You're going to begin to see his power and his tangible presence in your home like never before. If you'll go and you'll shut the door and you'll begin to pour out your praise, which is exactly what I did that day that I felt trapped and I knew I need God to move or I am going to go down into this ditch. It's only getting worse so I just began to pour out my weak praise and my weak worship and the Holy Spirit met me in my living room in a way that I haven't experienced in a really long time and he began to fill my mouth With his words and with the ability to worship God in a mighty way. And a shift happened in my mind. And strength returned to my physical bones. And I could tell that there's been a difference in my home ever since. Why? I just poured out. That's all he asks. Cry out, reach out, and then just pour it out. And watch him do the work. So I want to close with this last thought. The widow, she was asked to gather these jars. And Elisha tells her to gather many, but he doesn't give her a specific amount. Isn't that like God, sometimes to be a little vague? I'm like, can you tell me a blueprint? Like, can we know the whole future? And he's like, "No. You just do the last thing I told you to do and I'll take care of the rest, right?" And he also likes to leave room for us to make some choices here. I think he likes to see how much are you going to believe? Because she was told to gather many. She wasn't told to get she wasn't told how many. However, She gathered so many that she had enough olive oil not only to pay her debt, but to live on. Y'all, that's a lot of oil. That means it was a lot of jars. So her gathering much revealed that she was expecting much. Stay with me. Her actions that she took, the, the knocking much... Revealed that she was expecting much. She didn't know how. She didn't know when. She just knew it's going to happen. So my responsibility is to gather many. So I'm getting as many as I can, right? So the last thing that we can learn from her today is this. It is our expectation in God Accompanied by our movement, our action towards God, that we will see breakthroughs and miracles in our lives. It's what brings about the miracles in our homes. It brings about the miracles through our hands. And so my question for us today is, what are you expecting and how much are you expecting God to move? And I want to challenge you as well. That if you're expecting little. Then, then start expecting more. If you want to see God move. And you want to see miracles happen in your mind and in your heart and in your family and in your body and in your home and in your schools and in your city and in your nation. Y'all, that's a lot of expectation to have. Therefore, our actions should be much, meaning we should be worshiping much. We should be praying much. And I'm sorry, but five minute prayers a day ain't going to cut it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been called to pour. out everything and as we pray and as we get down on our knees and we say God I'm expecting you to move he meets us there because he's faithful he's faithful and if you are if you've been struggling maybe to believe in his word then I want to challenge you to not just wait till Sundays yes you need to get your rear end here and you need to hear Pastor Steve and our, and our leaders speak forth the word. But also during the week in the private place of your home, read it out loud and see if things don't change. See if your faith doesn't increase. And maybe the songs that we sing, if you're struggling to believe the words on the screen, then I want to challenge you to sing it till you believe it. Sing it out loud and see if your faith doesn't increase in the Lord. So this morning, I want to give us the chance to respond. If you're wanting to see God do something miraculous in your life or through your life, and you're ready to take some action, maybe you're ready to cry out. Maybe you're ready to reach out if that's what the Lord is asking of you. Or maybe you just need to pour out some more then I'm going to ask you to stand with me right where you are, all over the room. Stand, move. What would your worship look like? What would your prayers sound like? What kind of sound would come from your lips? What kind of tears would fall from your eyes if you were truly for him to move and your worship doesn't have to look a certain way that's not what I'm saying I'm saying that we need to worship and sing and pray with expectation and so God right now here we are we are crying out to you we recognize that you are the one who saves that you are the one who delivers that you are the one who sets people free so we ask you to do that in the name of Jesus come on church lift up a sound cry to him, like you're truly desperate, like you're truly expecting him to move. God, we ask that you would do more miracles in this house, that you would do more miracles through our hands, through our lives, that we would begin to see you heal people through us, that we would begin to see you deliver people through us. God, we also reach out, we're willing to reach out, so we ask that you would begin to show us people in our minds that you want us to reach out to and pray to or ask for prayer from not pray to God we also in this moment we just begin to pour out our praise you don't need lyrics you can make up your own pour out our praise we pour out our worship we pour out our hearts we pour out our and we ask that you would fill us right now that we would not walk out of here the same but we would experience your presence in a tangible way.